Hi everyone, it's Melissa Lim here again. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. Uh, we started this at the beginning of this MCO and I can't believe that the MCO is almost over now. But uh, stay safe because even if the MCO is over, COVID-19 is still here. So do stay safe. Today, we will be talking to Ian from Taxo uh, Digital Syndrome Berhad. Uh, if you had heard our previous episode, episode 6, you would have met, met him already. And the topic was about how to digitalize law firm. So Ian shared his opinion on um, how to create the infrastructure for the law firm and what kind of products that you can use to digitalize your law firm. For today's episode, we will be talking to Ian and Adeline. Adeline is from... Law Asia 365, and we will be talking about what law firm can do now that the MCO is uh, almost over and law firms are able to now operate. So stay tuned and I hope you glean a lot of information out of this. This segment is again a video cast and it is hosted on our Facebook page, Melissa Lim and Associates. If you are interested to watch the video, do head over there. The link is provided in the description. Meanwhile, stay tuned. Hey everyone, it's Melissa here from Melissa Lim and Associates, and I'm here today with Adeline from Law Asia 365. Hi, Adeline. Hi. And uh, Ian from TechSource Digital. Hi, Ian. Hi. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us, both of you. Um, so, this is the second part of uh, digitalizing law firm series and Ian joined me in the first part of the series where we talked about how to digitalize law firm in general. Uh, but now that we can see that the, the um, MCO is coming to an end and law firms are now able to operate should uh, choose to. So we, I thought that it would be useful if we talk about what we can, what we can do now that the law firms are able to operate and how do we now because since they are able to enter their office now, what can they do to further digitalize their law firm? So um, thank you uh, very much Adeline, for joining us. Can you just have a short uh, introduction of yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Adeline. I am the founder and also the director for Law Asia 365, which is a knowledge management consultancy firm. We help firm with um, knowledge management predominantly and we also help them with uh, matchmaking for legal technology and digitalization. Oh, matchmaking sounds very interesting. Uh, what, <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> because it sounds like, you know. Well, we recommend uh, different platforms that suits the law firm's budget as well as their existing infrastructure um, in order to help the firm digitalize. And uh, we do recommend different kinds of platforms uh, ranging from a free price range up mm. to uh, whatever comprehensive system that the law firm would require and to help them with precedent management, document management, practice management, um, even things like uh, if they want to deal with their CRM, client relationship management, mm. uh, account system, as well as their branding and marketing. Yeah, so I think that uh, what we are concerned about here is about their business performance, a law firm's business performance and what uh, gaps do they have in their SOP and also in the legal te technology, if any, that they have they already have implemented in their law firms. So now that law firms are able to go into their office, because in the first episode, Ian and I were talking about how you know um, they want to digitalize but they are unable to enter 
into their office. So, you know, what can we do? So now that they, that they can, um, what do you, both of you, um, recommend law firms to do? Shall we start with um, Adeline first? Yeah? Well, um, I would start law firms usually, um, especially my clients, with going through an inventory check. Inventory not as in the physical inventory and assets that you have in the firm, but rather your um, different kind of intellectual in property, as well as your inventory that you already have. So things like how much of your precedent and the work that you do are in soft copy and what is the accessibility of those documents? Are your um, lawyers, paralegals, pupils and secretaries able to access those documents when they're out of office? And what's the user access control that you've implemented and why did you implement those kind of user control, whether it's reasonable or not? Yeah. Um, and other inventory would include library system, how much research material is made available digitally for people in your firm who are running legal research, um, how much non-legal materials are available online for your people to read, um, for their personal or professional improvement, for business management skills, and so on and so forth. So these are inventories that are essential, as well as your recalculation of your financial capabilities. How much reserve do you have? How long can you go on without um, a very steady stream of revenue? For instance, what are your overheads? How can that be expanded? How can your current um, resources be reinvested into things like marketing, branding, recapturing clients that have been lost or capturing uh, market equity that you have not ventured into. So all these are things that I think uh, law firms should look into once they're able to get back into office. When things are a little bit more real, you can touch, see and investigate whatever you already have. And then you can compare what's already digitalized and what's not, which is physically in your office, which you can digitalize. So I think that would be a good starting point. Yeah, I think that from what, what you are saying, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but from what you are saying, you are saying that uh, right now we need to look at what do we have physically. We need to look at what are the things that we can access to whether, and how are we going to make that accessible. Because if those, um, like you said, research materials and our files are not accessible, we will not be able to carry on with that particular file. We may lose clients. And secondly, if we are not able to access um, all these materials, not only will we lose clients, we will also not be able to get uh, incoming files as well, right? So that is yeah. one part. And the second part, would I would think that is the um, talent resource as well on how do you train these people to use all this techno new, new technology that you may implement in your law firm next. Um, Ian, what do you think about this then? So I, I absolutely agree with Adeline, right? Uh, knowing what you have, uh, that is very very important. Um, but for me, I'm I'm not I don't specialize in uh, the business side of things. I, I can't really advise on how long they can survive without new clients and such. But uh, I focus more on things like uh, how long how long does it get for the staff and the uh, you know the support staff you know to be able to work uh, even in the future away from office. How do you get the data shared across, you know, multiple different platforms or locations? That is that would be my my concern. That's where we, we specialize in. 
So the, the whole idea is about now is about surviving. It's not um, about getting you know, more business per se. It's about getting business to survive because everybody knows, everybody in business knows that the year is bad. Uh, times are bad. So being able to continue some form of a normal workflow that is very important and the things required to support this workflow. Right? Uh, my focus is, is primarily on this section. Of course, I would also go further to say things like uh, you know, engaging new clients in the future would be very much online for the smaller firms who have not digitized uh, at all, maybe those who do not have even uh, you know, the, the domain name for a website or an email, now is the time to do it. Right? You want to provide legitimacy to clients who may have never met you in person. You want to provide uh, you know, information online, you need a website. So these are the things that I would say uh, is worth spending a bit of money and time to, to look into to tap into, you know, a different uh, market of clients. That's what I, I would, uh, you know, like yeah. tell my I think uh, we talked about this before, about how um, there are law firms who are afraid of um, onboarding tech. And we talked about full-scale onboarding as well, because they think that instead of checking their inventory, as suggested by both of you, is that they think that um, every single tech product that, we are talking about in the market right now, in the internet, they think that, oh, I need to have A, B, C, D, I need to have all of this in order to make it work. But in actual fact, there is not much need for it, right? It is more about what um, is about looking at what you have and how do you close the gap of that tag, uh, sorry, close that gap, and then what product you need to do that, right? So right now, um, what do you think about the so, you know, because the MCO has been for, what, 40-odd days now, so do you see a change in mindset of um, digitalizing in the legal field? Can we, shall we start with Ian this time? Yeah. Um, how does it change the landscape? I think it's pretty much the same with most businesses, <laughs> okay. right? You, we're not going to talk about, even because the, the key point of uh, the MCO is to break the chain. Now, going further, we will still be looking at uh, isolation and, and you know, further breaking the chain. So the, the whole idea is to basically have less meetings in person. So how, how can we achieve this? For us, it's obviously through technology. Yeah. Now, um, to do all this, of course, your people have to be able to work from home, right? Are, you, are we talking about the, your, does your staff have uh, to start off with simple, simple things? Do they have a laptop that they can work from away from home? Or do they have a desktop? Or what, what equipment do they have? Right? So we have to find what devices that they have. And then from on there, how to make the business it. efficiency, right? Yeah. It, you see, the, the effect of this MCO is that it forces people to realize how technology comes into play. In, in the past, a lot of people could have done the same thing like what we're doing here, you know, having a, a conversation online. But why do people still insist on meeting face-to-face? -face? Some people are old school. They, they believe, you know, this is how business is to be conducted, should be conducted. But, you know, the MCO has made us realize that that's no longer the case. There's no need for it, yeah. Right. Also, I think so, uh, previously, we always um, insist on face-to-face -face meeting. But right now, I think that a lot of people are looking into which um, tasks can be done on email, by email or by text or whatever, by Slack. 
um, and which one should be face to face meeting because face to face meeting actually take a lot of time and a lot of energy. So truth be told, one, truth be told, there's actually what is the difference between meeting in person and uh, meeting over Skype, Zoom, FaceTime, WhatsApp, yeah. video call. What do you what think, Adeline? What's the difference? Well, to be to me, honestly, there is not that much of a difference, but I believe there are some people who would like the human touch. Uh, they want to see uh, body language, especially in an interview. Uh, when yeah. you are hiring candidates for a particular role, they want to see how that person dress in person, how they walk, how they greet you the first, first time, how they um, bid goodbye for the first time. And those little things that we cannot see through a video call or a conference setting, an online conference setting. So I, that's pretty much it that I can think of. Can you think of any other? I think that that is a very good point that you raise up because that is actually one of the um, few points that we raise up for online trial, right? Because for you to conduct trial, you need to see how the witness is behaving. Not only you, but also the judge, right? So. Um, I know that there are some uh, countries that already have this online trial, that they hold um, trial online, and they do have guidelines on how to do that. So maybe, but how do you think that we can overcome that during this, uh, after this MCO though? Because we will definitely, this is a new norm, right? We will definitely still need to practice social distancing. So I do think that Skype meeting and, you know, video call meeting is still, is good enough. I don't think that there is a need to meet people face to face unless it is something um, that is like, like Adeline said, it is an interview or maybe it is a witness, you know. Um, what do you guys think about the support, the management board support on for digitalization? To me, I think it's key yeah. because the decision makers who determine budgeting, uh, finance, those are the people that you will need to get buy-in from in order to digitalize the firm, no matter how much uh, on the grassroots level you would like the firm to be able to move forward and move faster. It ultimately lies in the hand of the people who hold the key to your account. <laughs> because that's I the reality think, of things. Yeah, because um, I was talking to Ian the other day about how law firms previously, there are law firms who have like one, one computer dedicated for email. So anybody in the whole firm, if you want to email, you're going to use this computer and you can only access that using a club. So there's this dedicated club for it. Then there's another computer that is dedicated for color printing, right? So this can only be changed the management, uh, management level about and their attitude in that too. And I think that that will also um, help in the efficiency and the workflow of the... Do you think that by digitalizing, um, it will actually reduce um, reduce the need for talent, though, in law firms. Shall we start with Ian? Yeah, um, I don't think it's it's an issue with uh, talent. We are we will be looking at a new set of talents. Uh, you know, competence in, in IT. Uh, yes, previously when firms were to hire people, any business any businesses were to hire people, they would look at. Uh, are you competent in Microsoft Word? You know, yeah. things like that. But the, the scale of it now goes beyond just Microsoft Word, right? It's about understanding how, you know, if you used, uh, if you're using cloud services, are you competent in you know, Google Drive? Now, 
I know to a lot of younger, the younger lawyers out there, this sounds hilarious. Like, who doesn't know how to use Google Drive? But oh, the no. fact remains that, yeah, but the fact remains is that uh, there has to be training, some form of training, maybe simple training in the future to make sure everybody's on the same page. Because you have, for example, convincing firms, you have clerks who've done the same job for 30 years with minimal changes. So they had, they replaced the typewriter with the PC, but essentially it's still a keyboard. So yeah. the, the gap is not so, not so uh, significant. Now, back in the day, they were talking, oh, I have the file on the server, but now you have it in Google Drive. Essentially, the difference is kind of minor, but the interface is different. Yeah. So it's sort of like retraining, okay, this button does this, this, this does that. It's the logic of how the UI works. It's not so much about, let me teach you step by step because UIs will change from time to time. Yeah. But the logic behind it is similar. Is that the same? Yeah. Correct. So we, we've got to go and, and have this sort of a training and understanding for the new batch of staff. It doesn't That's matter if even, yeah, it doesn't matter even if you have younger, younger lawyers or younger clerks. You know, not everybody is uh, competent in, in IT. So it's about stepping up the game there so that everybody moves forward together. That's very interesting. You know, um, when I started chambering, I had the same thought, like who does not know how to use, um, to even create a folder in a computer, right? Um, mm -hmm. and who doesn't know how to photocopy? So, but you will realize that um, when you join, a, like for young lawyers, when they join the workforce, they will realize that it's actually a bit difficult to use the photocopy machine. Like they actually have to learn that. So that will be very interesting to see. Uh, how about you, Adeline? What do you think about this? Well, I think Ian is absolutely right. Uh, to add a gloss to whatever he has just said is I don't think there will be a reduction in the amount of people that are required to function in the firm, but there will be upskilling needed, definitely. So the amount of people that are in there, you will have to learn how to function differently. They will need to understand different technological products that have been integrated with the firm's operations and how to use it properly, not, the, not just the step-by-step, -step, but as Ian said, the idea behind the functionalities of these systems. So those kind of upskilling is key. And in terms of professional development, I think law firms should start looking into it already. Yeah, I yeah. think that uh, KLYLC and also the Malaysian Bar has a few seminars um, during the MCO about, about this um, particular seminars, but on, on particular aspects on tech. So I hope that they, you know, continue doing that. And then, you know, maybe that will help a lot. Um, another uh, area that I'm very interested in. Um, so during the MCO, we see a rise in digital engagement in the legal field. So previously, we can see that law firms, uh, mostly they write articles, right? They write articles and then they post it on their website. Uh, for those who don't have website, I guess they write for newspapers. Um, but now we see law firms doing Facebook Live. You know, this is going to be posted on Facebook as well. Uh, but this will be, of course, pre-recorded. And they will, they will, and they post it across platforms, like even YouTube, LinkedIn, and YouTube, which is, a platform that we never thought of using before, but now we have online hearing posted on YouTube. So we see law firms doing all this. Uh, what do you think about these initiatives and what do you think they can improve with it? Shall we start with Adeline this time? <laughs> I think it's a very good initiative, 
but with a lot of different industry, especially the professional industry, there's a herd mentality. Uh, when one person is doing, uh, let's say, A, B, and C, then the others would see, oh, this is doable, like Zoom is doable, Skype is doable, yeah. YouTube Live and Facebook Live suddenly became doable, and the rest will want to follow. Now, the question that I would like to throw back to the community is, why not think outside the box? Is there anything else that you can think of apart from um, doing the same thing that the rest have been doing? But, and why not collaborate? Yes. Why does everybody have to do a topic on employment and retrenchment? Why does everybody have to start talking about frustration of contract and force majeure? When it's about it the, the same, same thing, topic. actually. Yeah. yeah, the profession is there to serve. Yeah. Right. So if you're there to serve the same public, why not bond together and start an FAQ like as in a whole legal, Malaysian legal Wikipedia? Okay, mm -hmm. you have force measure, everybody can start editing the same page and you can be the most comprehensive page on the Malaysian law that the public can access ever. And all of you would be duly credited. Why not? Why that is so interesting. Yeah. Anyone think out of the box? Why everybody has to follow another's tale? If one person do Facebook Live, then a hundred other firms will do the same Facebook Live. Then who the hell are we to tune into? You know, pardon my French. No, it's true. Um, but that is a very interesting um, point that you you pointed out, and I think that the live document that you talked about, right, is very interesting. I remember reading an article about how this student in uni shared its um, course notes throughout the whole campus and everybody will just add into that notes and then they use that same notes to, for their exams at the end of the year. So that is amazing. And yeah, I think that that could be something that we can, we can you know, think of or maybe host up by the Malaysian bar, hopefully. Um, Ian, what, what about you? What do you think about it? I, I have never thought of something like that. But uh, <laughs> I love what Adeline just said. I think it's an excellent idea. So maybe we should have uh, another discussion on that. Maybe <laughs> we can help push that forward. Let's, let's you can do something like that. Your help to create yeah. such a platform. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. It's so cool, isn't it's, it? It is interesting. Yeah. I, I like the idea. But on the note where uh, you know, uh, firms are doing streaming, Facebook Live, and you know, things of the nature, mm. my question is, what took you so long? <laughs> right? I mean, you're doing it now, and, and I realize what, what, it, uh, what it took for them to reach this stage. Uh, it's sort of, for lack of a better word, it's desperation. Because previously, you would, have, you would have, say, a lot of work, you, you have not, don't have time, you know, for whatever reason. And suddenly, MCO kicks in, you are, you are utilizing free resources, which is already there, which you've had all this while for the last number of years but you're only utilizing it now. Now, so the, the, in the history of mankind, we've always uh, uh, you know, tried to survive and, and prosper in whatever the, the times may be. So this is a great <laughs> example of that. Right? Law, law firms remaining re relevant in times where they couldn't meet people, they couldn't speak to people, and then we have technology there to plug the gap. That's exactly what, what's been happening. So why, what took you so long, you know? And I like I love how <laughs> yeah I love how Ian used the history you know the history aspect of it 
well, like we can see that, um, of course, after many, uh, after every disaster, we can see that humankind actually prosper after that. So hopefully, this happens for legal firms as well. Um, of course, you are right that all these free services and paid services have, have been here for the longest time. But perhaps it was the mi mi mindset, right? The mindset to digitalize, the mindset about... Um, if I do a Facebook Live, will it discredit me as a lawyer? Will it discredit me as a law firm? Is this safe to use? Is it, you know? So I think that it is also good for legal tech because legal tech has been around for, it is quite a new area, right? Adeline, I think it's about three years, four years that we've been in. Two, three years? Um, if you're talking about legal tech in Malaysia, uh, the most minimum that we have adopted would go back a decade but there are a lot of pioneers who have been frustrated because it didn't catch on. Yeah. So these pioneers, um, these pioneers are the ones who started blogging. Uh, so you can, yes. Yeah. So you know who I'm talking about. There, yeah. there are those people out there. They know about tech. Uh, they have written handbooks for um, the Bar Council before about the usage of technology, but it just didn't catch on. Maybe it's marketing, maybe it's mindset, but mostly it's culture. But legal tech has been around in the world for the past 50 to 60 years. Um, we have been experimenting as a, a global society on technology that's used for um, the legal industry as a whole. Uh, started off in UK, um, it was booming in the US, the multi-billion industry in the US still. Mm -hmm. So we, we are a little bit late by about three decades or so. I think we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that, um, I mean, for my part, I was aware of legal tech. Um, I mean, aware of legal tech um, in a better, I, I think, clearer, clearer, because obviously other legal, pro uh, legal tech products have been here, but it is not something that I think that it is legal tech. I just think that it is a tech product that I've been using all this while. So for me, it has been around, I mean like for me, I think that it, I thought that it has been around for me for about two to three years only. Like the full um, awareness uh, drive that we, that uh, is happening in Malaysia. And maybe that is why um, when this MCO kicked in, everybody is more aware about the products that have been in and then the security risks and the security issues. And they can do a little bit of risk management and now they can ad adopt all these products um, because of, of this. Um, so just now, Ian was talking about, um, I think the word we used previously was protection versus restriction. Yeah. Where we talked about yeah, where we talked about law firms who because in the previous um episode we talked about the amount that is needed to digitalize a law firm. But as we said just now, there is no need for like a full-scale onboarding process right after this MCO, right? So there are still law firms who are a little reluctant to still digitalize their law firm. Um, but at the same time, they are saying that they are unable to uh to provide their services because they are not digitalized. So what do you think about that? What advice do you have for them? So the way I look at it is, we, let's, let's be honest, right? We are dealing with a bunch of people who culturally and by trade are the most argumentative and stubborn people. Period. Ian, I feel this attacked because I'm a practicing lawyer and now I feel attacked. <laughs> so the thing is about changing. So when, when, you, you, when you're stubborn, it's kind of hard to change. And it's hard to blame people when you're comfortable, you don't want to change. 
it's very much the same with me. You know, I was very happy with Windows 7 and then Windows 10 came along. Let's put it that way. Okay, may I just show my argumentative side by saying that that is human's nature? <laughs> to not that is human nature, that's true. But uh, okay. it's Guys, different you need to read a book called Who Moved Your Cheese? Who Moved oh. My Cheese? <laughs> ah, yes. Essential, essential. <laughs> okay, I'm going to let this down. <laughs> yes, please continue. So, now, for the most part, uh, younger lawyers, they are quite okay with the idea of uh, digitizing. Now, a lot of issues would arise from, you know, people from, like, like what Adeline said, pioneers, people from back in the day, right? Because they have been operating for, you know, 20 years, 30 years, and if it ain't broken, don't fix it. They, they live by that mentality. Now, what I would say that right now is not about uh, protecting anymore, right? We, we cannot uh, sort of uh, hold people back because now we're talking about surviving the industry as a whole, every single industry. Of course, say for, you know, maybe glove manufacturing and face mask manufacturing and things like that. We are talking about survival. The issue with survival is that you would do anything right, within your means to survive. That's exactly it. So how do you bring a legal firm in the 21st century, right? Obviously, we've had emails. Previously, a lot of people are still using fax. So now we have emails, which is essentially, what, a 20-year-old technology, maybe more? Yeah. Probably from days before I was born, so I, I don't even know. Um, then people talk about using computers, right? So the, the computer itself is some form of tech, and law firms have been adopting it. I, I don't know if people want to consider that legal tech or not. But every business has revolutionized themselves by using a computer, right? Yeah. The essential idea of a computer back in the day to, to do word processing was to help uh, with minimizing errors, right? Because back in the day, if you were to type on a typewriter, you would have to blanko it out. Now you just hit the backspace. So, right? It's about simplifying work. Now, of course, do you need to learn uh, new hardware, new equipment? That's the same with any phone, any car, any device. So I, I don't see that. I would say don't be afraid of it. There's no reason to be paranoid. Right? Yeah. Keep in mind that it's about surviving. It is about prospering in a difficult time. So to do all this, technology is the way forward. Everything is online. That is what you should look at. If you don't have a website, get one done. Right? If you don't have a domain for your email, get one done. This don't cost you a lot but it gets you out there, it provides legitimacy, right? Why, for example, why I say legitimacy, I mean by, for example, like .com.my domain. So they require yeah. your, you know, a, a letter from the bar council to, to, to actually allow you to register the domain. That, that requires you to be a legitimate firm. So it's a lot, than, a lot more than meets the eye, obviously, right? It's not just your... Yeah. Uh, meeting face-to-face -face kind of thing. It's great. I understand meeting face-to-face. -face. I agree with Angeline, the, the body language, the, the mannerisms, you know, the way the person moves. This, this is all very important. Unfortunately, with social distancing, we, we have to get the next best thing. I think, you know, stuff like video conferencing, this is, this is the next best thing. Yeah, I, I agree I, with Ian. It's it's pretty much surviving and prospering in the difficult situation. So, you will have the same pool of people to reach out to who will be your potential clients. So no matter which organization you're from, which firm you're from, it's the same market that you're operating in unless you really want to go international and you want to open up a whole new market, you know, thread yeah, and, a new and path. Exactly. And going online will 
potentially open you to uh, you know foreign foreign markets, which yeah. you know something worth considering. It may not be yeah. something you're looking for, yeah. but can be an added side benefit. Why not? Yeah, correct. And my point was to collaborate, really, because you are still regardless functioning in the same market space. So why compete and cannibalize amongst yourself when you're able to bake a pie together and share it? Yeah, I agree with you, Adeline. There are strengths in numbers. And I think that uh, Malaysia needs to adopt this, um, this approach right now to do business. And I think the legitimacy part that uh, Ian spoke of just now is very, uh, is very on point too. Because these days, for example, now you want to go to a, you, for, for example, you want to go to, you want to book a hotel, right? A hotel room or something. And the first thing you will do is you will Google and you will look at reviews, right? If you do not have a website, people will be like, uh, what kind of a law firm is this that do not have a website? Or what kind of a X place is this that do, do not have a website, regardless of what industry you're in, right? So I think- exactly. Yeah, and, and here's the thing about um, survival. The thing is, first of all, law firms are now having problems providing services to existing clients. They are asking for EOT that may not be, or they may, may not be granted. For convincing firms, they are, they, are in a, they are in contact with so many different type of uh, departments that grant EOT in different ways and different methods and different timelines. And some of the matters, you need to get EOT from the court. And then the court may say, I do not have jurisdiction. You've got to go back to this department. So the, reason, the whole reason why is because they are unable to provide services um, to their existing client, number one. Then number two, they are unable to open themselves to a bigger market, like uh, what Adeline said, because they, are, they do not have the tools um, that, uh, like what Ian said, you know, the website and the email and everything. So yeah, I think survival, what they... I, to me, what they have to think about is the original, the initial investment that they put in do not need to be a huge amount, but the ROI will actually be tenfold, double tenfold, right? I'm not sure how we are able to calculate ROI in that sense, uh, but I do know that in Malaysia, the legal practice industry is not heeding the, the collaborative trend, but we are going the other way, a polarized way. So I'm actually doing a market research mm -hmm. that would state um, the number of decrease in large firms in terms of uh, practicing lawyers and the amount that, yeah, the amount of increase in terms of percentage of small and mid-sized firms compared to last year, 2019 alone. Oh, nice. So that, that would be a pretty interesting stat. Um, we're still working on that. So we'll be probably be releasing it bit by bit once we are done and we have a conclusive number. Yeah. Is that part of uh, Law 365? Yeah, it would be part and parcel of Law Asia 365 effort uh, because we do run research for clients and some of those researchers, we want to go more in depth in our own private capacity. So that would be very fun to look into. Amazing. Good luck on that. <laughs> I think that would be a very interesting uh, report to have because then we'll, we will be able to see, you know, what is the impact and then what happens after that and then we will, we will be able to chart our way forward. We can only do that. Yeah. Good to have, it's good to have some data. Yeah, it's good is to it have some data. Oh, it's painful. <laughs> you want to help? I can, I can. <laughs> yeah, I was about to ask, is it difficult to get data about the legal field? 
Absolutely. Um, when I do researches, especially in terms of market research, um, I usually pack them with uh, financial statistics because we live in a capitalistic world and that's how the world goes around. So everybody wants to talk about ROI and usually ROI is packed onto dollars and cents. So that point itself made the research quite difficult to quantify because we are unable to get a solid number of revenue for the industry as a whole, as well as, um, of course, individual firms and organizations. And that, that's pretty difficult to move it forward in order to get a solid research out. But otherwise, uh, we can have simple statistics out, like you know, number of firms, increase of firms, things like that, simple stats. Yeah, that would be doable. But um, if the Malaysian bar is willing, then we are able to go into more comprehensive research that includes um, revenue. And that one, I think, would be able to chart the path for the legal practice in Malaysia as a whole better. Yeah. I am actually very interested to know uh, how many law firms are going to, to kind of like mushroom up with different structure like the way they manage their firms will be different. A business and, model? Sorry? Business model? Um, not only business model, but the way they run their firm and the way they interact with um, externals, with their customers, eh, sorry, with their clients and with the, um, the government departments and the court. Like, how will they do that? Because, of course, when, if, a, if you are in a, if you are a, let's say, a senior associate and you are very tech inclined, and you are in a very traditional conventional firm, after this MCO, you may want to make um, some changes, right? And if you are unable to do so, you may come out and open on your own. It could, it could happen. Or we may see a lot of merging of law firms. So I'm very interested to see all these new law firms that will mushroom up and how will they manage their firm now moving forward? And how are they going to interact with stakeholders after this? Hmm. Now, the nerd in me, when I listen to your question, would start breaking down your question into different components that can be set into a questionnaire. <laughs> I like, I like uh, your question questionnaire. <laughs> <laughs> so my head would be like, hmm, how do we measure this? <laughs> and maybe we should speak further. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think that would be very uh, interesting for Ian too, right? Because then the infrastructure that they need and then what kind of, um, like you mentioned, training that they would need could be something that you know, that is needed right now. Because, for example, training of the talents. How are we going to do that? Who is so-called qualified enough to train these people now, you know, to manage yeah. it? Because it's also... So, so the issue that I can see off the, right off the top of my head, right, um, is that if you have multiple smaller firms merging together, right, bending together and then operating together in the future, is that more likely than not, you would see uh, firms specializing in different areas of the law coming together, right? Yeah. By that, I mean a convincing firm will merge with a litigation corporate firm yeah. and, a, and a corporate, corporate uh, you know, setup. So if that's the case, your, your convincing club will suddenly have new colleagues who are in you know, litigation. So it, it's, it's very different. Uh, how do they fit in to, to the, the new setup? Uh, do they still maintain their, their roles as before or do they carry more responsibility now? Uh, of course, if it's a new responsibility, there will be, there will be uh, you know, new stuff they're dealing with. They will need some training in that, that respect. 
So it, it really depends on how uh, the merging is going to be done. Uh, I know that sometimes the merging is done in, in name, but uh, they may share some resources, for example, a same, you know, they merge together, they share the same uh, office space per se, uh, but, uh, you know, it that will help them reduce costs. Yeah, but they operate almost individually. That, that could be the case, like individual partners only doing, uh, you know, their own niche, but operating off the same base. Right? Maybe we share the photocopier. Maybe we share uh, no resources like the secretaries and things like that. So it really depends. If, if the staff is taking on more responsibilities, then you will need more, more training. There's no two ways about it. Um, just because you have a clerk who you know, has got 20, 30 years of experience in convincing does not mean that they will know anything about litigation. So they have to have a long, hard look at what direction they're heading and how they want to set it up. So this, this is really, really important. And then, you know, get someone in or handle the training yourself. Yeah. If you're capable, why not? I think that um, it's interesting when you talk about the, how they work in individually, although they're in the same firm. And I think that if they have a proper um, tech infrastructure, they are actually able to use the same resources. But if they wish to be independent, they can do that. With to the segregate, same. yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you can just segregate it. Yeah. It's so much more cost effective. And I'm also very yes. interested, yeah, and I'm also very interested in virtual law firms um, if the Malaysian bar allows it later. So fingers crossed, you know, for after MCO. Um, all right, so thank you very much. I think um, for your sharing, I think that uh, we have, we talked about a lot already right now. Um, we do have, I think in the first episode, we did mention about the products that, um, if they're interested in what products that they can, adopt into their uh, law firms and of course they are free there are some that are not too expensive and then there are premium prices ones so hopefully uh, these two these two parts of the series will help uh, law firms to, digi to digitalize their law firm uh, all right thank you very much ian and adeline um stay safe i'll see you guys after the mco thank you same yeah. to you guys thank, thank you. you bye bye, bye.